Chapter Seven of The Story of Eclipses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Story of Eclipses by George Chambers. Chapter Seven. What is observed after the total phase of an eclipse is at an end. In a certain sense, a description of the incidents which precede the total disappearance of the sun in connection with the total eclipse will apply more or less to the second half of the phenomenon, only, of course, in the reverse order and on the opposite side of the compass, the corona having appeared first of all on the west side of the sun, and then having shown itself complete as surrounding the sun, will begin to disappear on the west side, and will last be seen on the east side. Bailey's beads may or may not come into view. The sun will reappear first as a very thin crescent, gradually widening, the quasi-nocturnal darkness visible on earth will cease, and eventually the moon will completely pass away from off the sun, and the sun once again will exhibit a perfect circle of light. Whilst there is so much to look for and look at and think about, one thing must be sought for instantly after totality, or it will be gone forever, and that is the moon's shadow on the earth. We have already seen in the last chapter the startling rapidity and solemnity with which the shadow seems to rush forward to the observer from the horizon on the western side of the meridian. Passing over him, or even, so to speak, through him, it travels onward in an easterly direction, and very soon vanishes. Its visibility at all depends a good deal upon whether the observer, who is looking for it, is sufficiently raised above the adjacent country to be able to command at least a mile or two of ground. If he is in a hollow, he will have but little chance of seeing the shadow at all. On the other hand, if he is on the top of a considerable hill, or high up on the side of a hill, commanding the horizon for a distance of ten or twenty miles, he will have a fair chance of seeing the shadow. Sir G. B. Airy states, in 1851, My eye was caught by a duskiness in the southeast, and I immediately perceived that it was the eclipse shadow in the air traveling away in the direction of the shadow's path. For at least six seconds the shadow remained in sight, far more conspicuous to the eye than I had anticipated. I was once caught in a very violent hail and thunderstorm on the tableland of the country of Sutherland called the Moyne, and I at length saw the storm travel away over the North Sea, and this view of the receding eclipse shadow, though by no means so dark, reminded me strongly of the receding storm." In ten or twelve seconds all appearance of the shadow had passed away. Perhaps this may be a convenient place to make note of what seems to be a fact, partly established at any rate, that there seems some connection between eclipses of the sun and earthquakes. A German physicist named Ginzel has found a score of coincidences between solar eclipses and earthquakes in California in the years between 1850 and 1888 inclusive. Of course there were eclipses without earthquakes, and earthquakes without eclipses, but twenty coincidences in thirty-eight years seems suggestive of something. End of chapter 7